All right, friends, welcome back here uh, to our study of Genesis here in our condensed version here on YouTube. Uh, this is Pastor Jung here at Faith Lutheran Church in Moore Park, California. And uh, whenever, however, uh, whichever way you're listening to this, uh, may this word uh, go well with you as we continue on with our journey through Genesis chapter 3, verses 8 to 15. Uh, today it's entitled, The Fallout. What is the result of sin and what, how did Adam and Eve react? Uh, and also, uh, what does the Lord do in the midst of their sin? Uh, he shows us that He is a God, uh, the one true God of grace that He gives to us, the first proto-evangelion, that first gospel uh, promise of Jesus Christ. So there's a lot that we're going to go over today in our 30 minutes together, uh, but may this word go well with you. Why don't we uh, start with a word of prayer? Let us pray. Dearly Father, O oh Lord, we thank you for this day. We thank you uh, for... Uh, this time together as we are hearing your word. Bless bless us, O Lord, and may your word guide us not only to see our own sin, but also uh, the, the great comfort of, of your grace as you give to us, uh, our Savior, Jesus Christ, who died and rose and who delivers to us the, the perfect gift, and that is the forgiveness of sins. Bless us in our study today. We pray all this in the name of the Father, and the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. All right. Uh, well, um, I know we have one of our, um, our members here uh, today uh, listening in. So this is kind of like a dual, a dual live slash uh, member at church experience. But uh, this should be good, I think. <laughs> but... Uh, very good. Okay, so we're going to go through this. Genesis 3, if you have your Bibles out, please get those out and um, uh, follow along with me. Uh, just to give you context, Genesis chapter 3, we know that this is the, the, the very important book about the fall. As I always say, to understand the fall and what sin truly is, is very important uh, because uh, there we see only Christ. There we see the need of only Christ. If we don't understand sin for what it is, then at times we don't see only Christ, but rather, and only the gospel, we rather see our own morality, our own laws, if we can overcome this sin by ourselves. And that is not the case, because what sin brought into the world is this, uh, is by original sin, this sin condition separated from God. And uh, this is uh, uh, where we are at. So uh, why don't we start here on verse 8. Verse 8, and it reads, And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. So, I mean, this is the repercussions of, uh, of the fallout. This is the fallout, right? This is the fallout of uh, what they once had with God. And, and now because of sin, their interaction with God was different, right? Uh, when they heard the sound of the Lord, before the fall, what would they have done? They would have been definitely thankful. They would have gone to the Lord. They would have praised the Lord. They would have worshipped Him. They would, they would have uh, uh, not run away, but rather, uh, you know, uh, be there with Him. But yet, what happened? They, uh, as the Lord was walking in the cool of the day in the garden, their action, because of sin, 
Genesis 3, we see that they hid themselves. We only hide because, well, we, we very well know uh, that for Adam and Eve, they were hiding because of their sin. They were hiding because of their conscience, knowing that they had fallen short to the glory of God. And again, it shows us their action. It reminds us what sin brings to the table. We try to, as we call it another word, uh, to conceal. Right? We try to conceal the evidence. We try to live in secret. We try to hide in hopes of escaping what had befallen us, that fallout into sin. Right? So, um, and again, this is what sin does. Uh, sin loves the darkness, right? as it says in the book of John. Right? Uh, that sin, uh, people, uh, they, they, they live in darkness, lest if the light comes, uh, their works would be exposed. And, and, and this is the nature of man. And we see this in our first parents, right? So when we talk about how we emulate or how we mimic uh, when it comes to sin, it, it always goes back to our first parents and how they reacted when God accosted them in the walk in the garden. They hid themselves from God. Now, this is uh, the, 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 the tragic picture, but yet the stark reality uh, that their relationship was now fractured. That because of sin, they were separated from God. Because of sin, um, uh, they were no longer uh, uh, standing firm with God, but they were hiding from God. Uh, because of sin, they failed to listen to God, and now they're avoiding God. Uh, because of sin, uh, they once had refuge with God. Now, what are they doing? They're hiding in trees. Their, their refuge is in these trees. Now, y- you think about the... Uh, how preposterous that might sound, right? Like, why are you hiding in trees? Uh, but that's all they had because sin entered the world. And, and now uh, because of their obedience to their flesh and the devil, we see them hiding with a very, uh, with a terrified conscience. So again, hiding themselves from God, just that complete upside down reversal of, once, of what they once had but now, well, they're, they're hiding. Um, and, uh, you know, when you, the, you know, when you hide, I think being in their shoes, you, you have to ask yourself, uh, how do I hide? It might not be hiding in trees, but you might be hiding around, hiding behind many different things that are kind of like that representative tree. It could be, you might be hiding behind your self-righteousness, right? You, you might be hiding that, oh, you know, I'm, I'm not so bad. You know, I, I've done well for my life, and, you know, that must amount to something in front of God. Or, or you might hide by just sweeping your sins like a broom under the rug, saying, you know, if I just ignore them, they'll somehow go away. Um, uh, you might hide, let's say, from a guilty conscience by, uh, by yes, by putting on that makeup of self-righteousness yet again. Uh, we're, we're always hiding, or we just simply don't want to acknowledge sin for what it is, right? We, we just don't want to go there. We, we don't want to talk about sin. Like, we don't want to talk about the elephant in the room, right? We, we don't want to go there, right? Because who wants to talk about things that are, well, that are real and honestly, uh, 
the dirt, the dirtiness of sin, like no one wants to go there. No, no one wants to broach that topic, right? And, and therefore we go into hiding in hopes of somehow escaping the judgment that we deserve because of our sin. And this is what Adam and Eve were attempting to do. Of course, we know that their efforts would be foolish because you can never hide from God. You can't. I mean, you can hide from man, of course, right? But in front of God, who created you, who knows your thoughts before they're even thoughts, who knows how many hairs are on your head, you can't hide from God. And, and we know this, right? But like with Adam and Eve, we look at them and say, how, how foolish. Why are they hiding? Uh, but yet at the same time, when we look in the mirror, we actually do the same. So, so again, when we look at Genesis 3, we ought to look in the mirror and say, this is what I do too. This is what I do as well. And uh, how their actions really, as they portray it, how it all turned upside down, all because of the sin that the Lord said, do not eat from this tree lest you will die. Um, And the devil was there to kind of twist God's word and turn over God's word saying, no, you will not die, but rather you'll be like God. And they took it. And now this is this is the reality of their situation. They're, they're hiding. All right. Verse 9. Verse 9, uh, if we can read that, it says, But the Lord God called to the man and said to him, Where are you? Again, interesting. Who does he call? He calls the man, the head. Right? Again, Eve came from the rib of Adam. Right? And there we know, though Eve uh, was the one that took uh, from the tree, she also, and Adam was complicit in this, uh, he, he was a part of it as he also took an eight. But at the end of the day, the Lord calls the man. This is God's order. Man is the head. Man has the greater responsibility. And therefore, he calls the man out for what? Well, he doesn't call him for what he had done, but he definitely knew what he had done. But he's kind of working towards that cutting to the heart. You know, it's like, it's like you know, when, when, you're, when your kids were little and you played um, hide-and-go-seek in the house, and my kids... Uh, they'd always hide behind the couch, right? But, you know, I'd walk around the living room and I would say, where are you? And I totally knew where they were, uh, but I just wanted to play along so that they could have uh, their fun in in playing the game, right? Usually it was my son Abe who would, uh, you'd hear him either try giggle a little bit (laughs) or he'd wrestle his feet or sometimes his feet uh, would be sticking out of the couch so you'd see this one little foot and he thought he had me like hiding and I'm like, I just acted and I played along and, and this is kind of what God is doing. He knows, he knows where they're at. But he's entering the conversation now and he is really doing what? He is, uh, 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 he is uh, showing them um, their nature um, of sin. Um, you know, Luther once said, if you, uh, on, on the handout, it says, um, let us learn, therefore, that this is the nature of sin. 
Unless God immediately provides a cure and calls the sinner back, he flees endlessly from God and by excusing his sin with lies, heaps sin upon sin until he arrives at blasphemy and despair. Thus, sin by its own gravitation always draws with it another sin and brings on eternal destruction. Right, that, that is uh, from Luther's works, American Edition, Volume 1, page 175. But here we see um, God calling back the sinner. Where are you? It's that God entering the conversation in order to show them not only their sin, but as we see in Genesis 3.15, to promise them also the gospel. Right? But without that call back... Right? Um, as it says in um, Isaiah chapter uh, 52, 53, that uh, we like sheep, everyone has gone astray, everyone has turned to their own way. Uh, but it's by the very word of God that we are stopped in our tracks as, a, as God shows us our sin through the preaching of the law. And this is what he's doing here. He's not simply saying, where are you? He knows where they're at. It's simply getting to their conscience and really discussing what is really the issue here. Not simply where they're hiding, but rather why are they hiding? And here we see, well, it's interesting how Adam answers this very question. So God says in verse 9, where are you? And verse 10, um, it's interesting how Adam answers. He says, I heard you were in the garden. I was afraid. I was naked and I hid. Now, the Lord asks the question, where are you in verse 9? He doesn't ask, why are you hiding? But rather, where are you? It's like when you're, again, with your kids and you look at them and says, "Um, how are you doing? as you suspect something that they've done. And rather than simply saying, oh, I'm doing good, Dad, they start going into this explanation on why this happened and why that happened. And at the end of the day, you simply just ask, well, I was just asking how you were doing. I wasn't asking anything else. So here in this question, we see how Adam is reacting through his answer as he is really revealing his own culpability of what he had done in the garden. I mean, the Lord knew, but he wasn't even asking that. He was just saying, where are you? Right? He didn't ask, why are you hiding? Why did you do this? Why did you do that? He's just saying, where are you? And there in his answer, it is telling Adam is, he says, I heard the sound of you in the garden. Again, when you hear the sound of God before the fall, this wasn't the, the, this, wasn't, this wouldn't cascade into, I'm afraid, I was naked, and I hid myself. Before the fall, there was no afraid. There was no hiding self. There was no even knowing that they were naked, right? This wasn't shame, nakedness was. This was great, right? Now, because of the fall, their eyes opened, they were shameful, they covered up, right? Uh, and now they're hiding, and now uh, uh, they, they were afraid. And, and here we see... Uh, that uh, uh, Adam is really showing um, that uh, the, the, the consequence of sin and how that spirals in so many different ways. 
and how that relationship was fractured with God, how fear and how terror and how this stained conscience uh, that would hide itself. This is, this is the reality of sin, and we see it in our lives too, right? I mean, I don't know if you've met anyone in life uh, that uh, would uh, just deny the reality of sin and just be so obstinate, oh, you know, and even going there, uh, and, and, and that's humanity. We, we love to hide. I, I, I can't say it anywhere else. We, we love to hide. Uh, we love to put on the polish, right? The, kind of the, the false facade of who we want to be, but rather when we look in, inwardly at the mirror, we know who we truly are. And here Adam, well, he, he is uh, definitely showing his cards. He is showing uh, what what had happened. And he says, I heard the sound of you in the garden. I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. This is the life of or the consequence of sin, right? Um, What a tragic word this is from our first parents, Adam and Eve. Um, What they had and now how they are dealing and um, this is, that's why sin, it, it's, it's, it's a lot of people minimize or marginalize what sin really is. But when you really think about what sin brought to the world, that is death, that is we all are inheritors of sin, that we actually do the very thing that we hate rather than what we ought to do, as St. Paul would say in the book of Romans. And uh, we, we very well know what sin brought to the table. It brought that separation from God. That means I cannot save myself. That means I cannot rescue myself from sin and death. I cannot overcome the devil by myself. I cannot, right? And therefore, as a human being, as we look at Adam, as he mirrors us, what do we do? We resort to the only thing we can do humanly, and that is to hide. And that is futile in itself. That, that doesn't do anything, right? Uh, but yet, that's what our human condition does. We flee. And sadly, in hiding, what are we really doing? What is this really about? It's fleeing from God. That is what's happening. And this is the devil's deception, fleeing from God in the midst of that separation. Right? That's what sin does. And that's what Adam is doing. But God is here. Verse 11. Why don't we continue on here? Verse 11. He says, Uh, Who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten of the tree of which I commanded you not to eat? Right? So, who told you you were naked? And this is God's way of saying, I know your sin, and also there is the loss of innocence, righteousness, And blessedness. They were made in the image of God. And the fallout was their own innocence, righteousness, and blessedness. Right? So, so uh, we see the Lord really uh, guiding them down this path of seeing what they had really done. Um, <laughs> because the Lord told them what to do, but rather they failed to do that very thing, to eat from that tree of knowledge of good and evil. And now he is funneling it down like, 
where are you? Now it's who told you that you were naked? He's, he's getting to that, you know, to that focus of what they had done, right? Okay. So in that realization, uh, we see in verse 12, uh, it, it reads, the man said, the man said, so Adam, the woman whom you gave to be with me, she gave me the fruit of the tree and I ate. Now, again, in this moment in time, uh, ideally, <laughs> I know hindsight is twenty twenty, and and we're not Adam, you know, uh, we're not in issues, but this is the moment where he ideally uh, should have confessed his sin, like what he had done. But what does the sinful nature, again, this is what our sinful nature does. We're not just looking at our first parents and saying, oh, why did they do that? No, we, we emulate. We're, we're kind of a mirror image of that because we're sinners too. What do we do in our sin? What does Adam do in his sin? He, he blames. He blames. He points the finger away from himself to not only who? His wife, but also God, the woman whom you gave. So this is God who gave from the rib, remember, that picture of the oneness of marriage. And there, in sin, what does Adam do? He blames and points the finger uh, towards God and Eve and saying, you did it, and it's your fault. Now, this is the fallout of sin. Not only is he pointing fingers, but also in marriage, I mean, if any of you are married out there, you know how easy it is to point the finger, how easy it is to uh, uh, have that resentment, have that cold war relationship, you know, just kind of bottle everything up, and we see the, the subtle and even overt conflicts um, in a relationship. And again, that's mimicking of ever since the beginning. As sin came into the world, marriage was now under attack. Remember, Genesis 2, 18 to 24, we very well know how God uh, ordered uh, 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 marriage. He, he ordered it in this way, uh, that they would become, that they would hold fast to one another and that they would become one flesh. Again, pick a perfect picture of oneness. But now because of sin, it's all breaking apart. It's all blaming one another. It's all, we see that no longer one, but now two, division. It's he said, she said. It's their fault. It's their fault. And, and that's the result of sin. So it's not just they, uh, we see that fallout in so many different ways in this life, right? That's why when we get married, it's not two people that are perfect uh, for one another, but rather two people that are sinners. So how do we keep that relationship together? Um, and of course, uh, it's Christ and, and, and the foundation of the promise of what we will talk about in a little bit. But again, we see, again, the, 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 the regression, as we call it, uh, 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 from this fallout of sin, and now it's attacking the blame towards one another, when he should have been caring for Eve. Again, that's another fallout of sin. He failed in his vocation as the head, and now he proceeds to blame Eve, and now their marriage is also kind of shaky, right? Because now this humanness of sin is coming in, and ultimately, he's blaming God, right? Remember, God gave him his life. God gave him all things, and now he's blaming the Creator himself. So this is what sin does. At, at any cost, sin is trying to uh, 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 point the attention away from self 
And to escape sin, they blame other people. That's what sin does. We blame other people to justify why we have done, to free us, uh, to somehow regain that innocence, when in fact, again, this is a foolish attempt at doing so. And it, it is not successful. All right? Okay, so again, a lot of application here. Verse 13, as we read it, Then the Lord God said to the woman, What is this that you have done? The woman said, The serpent deceived me, and I ate. Right? Um, more subtle compared to Adam. You know, when we look at Adam, he says, Lord, the woman that you gave to me, you know, but now she's more subtle, but yet you see that She's placing, she's still placing the blame, um, focusing on what God had given. Again, God gives all creatures. He, he made all creatures. And uh, she's saying, the serpent deceived me. Subtly, she's trying to put the onus on everything outside of herself. The serpent deceive me. And um, yes, so, so as we uh, look at our notes here, um, I just want to read a, a couple Luther quotes for you. Uh, on the back side, it says, um, um, it is the nature of sin not to permit the soul to flee back to God, but rather to force it into a flight away from God. This is what's happening. It's all flying away from God. It's all fleeing from God. And such is the working of the law that when the law stands alone without the gospel and the knowledge of grace, it leads to despair and ultimate impenitence. Right? See, that's the thing. There is no uh, confessing going on here. They are fleeing. Their hearts are being, um, they're, they're, they're turning away from God. And in the midst of all that they're trying to do to save themselves, well, they're failing to see. Um, they're failing to see what they have done in themselves, and ultimately, they fail uh, uh, to see uh, what is to come. And that is um, in verse fourteen and fifteen. And here now, because of what the serpent had done, as Satan possessed the serpent to do these very things, what does he do? He lays down the curse. Uh, to the serpent and to the devil. The Lord God said to the serpent, because you have done this, cursed are you above all livestock and above all beasts of the field. On your belly you shall go, and dust you shall eat all the days of your life. Now again, this is interesting, because when we think of snakes, all we know as human beings is that they're crawling things that are on the ground, and they hide um, in the bushes, or they hide um, coiled up, maybe in your, in your hose, in your garden, sometimes they hide there. Uh, which I've never seen, but if I did see one coiled up in the hose, I'd be like, no, I'm running away. Um, but, uh, uh, but before the fall, snakes were beautiful creatures. Snakes were like every, every other creature. And now because of, and, and this is interesting, and I don't know where to, how far we go with this, but God does curse the serpent and says, now you will eat dust. On the belly you will crawl. And that eating dust is a, a sense of humiliation. It's a saying that is of lowliness, that you are below everyone else. And uh, this is the, 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 the curse that he puts on this animal, the serpent. But I think uh, the bigger picture is the second part in verse 16 or 15. I will put enmity, 
between you and the woman and between your offspring and her offspring. He shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. Now, verse 16 is what we would call our first, as I said earlier, the proto-evangelium. And, and this is, proto means first or prototype, you know, prototype model. Uh, proto first, uh, good news. This is the first good news that we that God gives to us. He says to the serpent, he says to Satan, I will put enmity. What does enmity mean? It means hostility between you and the woman, between your offspring and her offspring. Now, what is this hostility? Now, when we talk about enmity and hostility, it all points to the offspring, ultimately, to the offspring of the woman. And that offspring of the woman is Jesus Christ. The offspring of a woman, the Lord's promise is to bring the Savior in the world, to die for the sins of the world, to rise, but also to to destroy the devil's work. This is the enmity between the devil and the offspring um, uh, of the woman. Um, and he very well knows, the devil does, as we see in the 40 days and 40 nights, Jesus tempted by the devil in the wilderness, that Jesus, what does he do? He prevails there in, in the wilderness as he's tempted by the devil. And, and he is without sin, a sneak preview of what was to come at the cross as he would uh, uh, truly triumph over the devil there, crushing his head and, and dying for the sins of the world. And um, that enmity is there. That hostility is there. And um, we see right here uh, at the tail end of verse 16, he shall bruise your head and you shall strike, or he shall bruise, or you shall bruise his heel. Now, again, uh, what we talk about uh, bruising head, bruising heel now, when you bruise someone's head, head, the head is the most important part of the body, right? When you bruise or crush someone's head, that means that is a word of destruction. That is a word of defeat, of, of, of conquer, right? So what the God is saying here is, uh, serpent, you are cursed. There is enmity between you uh, and between your offspring and her offspring of the woman. There is that hostility and ultimately... Uh, that hostility is rooted uh, in uh, the coming of Christ who would destroy the devil's work. Again, and the devil himself. Again, um, is there hostility between me and you in a sense of Satan attacking us every single day? Of course. He's always tempting us in so many different ways, right? Trying to turn us, just like our first parents, from God. The, the strategy is the same. Right? It's all about turning us and twisting the word of God. That's what he did in the garden. That's what he does with us. That's what we see in the world today. Even in Christianity, we see how the word has slowly, in some parts, being manipulated or twisted. And this is, this is no surprise. This is the devil's work, right? But at the end of the day, uh, what does the Lord promise? The Lord will crush the devil's head upon that cross. And the Lord's heel will be bruised. What does that mean? The heel will be bruised. That is his crucifixion. Yes, he would die for the sins of the world, but death would not overcome him because he is the son of God. And three days later, just as he promised, he would rise for the sins of the world. 
right? Yes, he would take upon that weight of sin. Yes, his heel would be striked by his very own crucifixion. Yet by that very work, uh, he would wash away our sins and forgive us of all our sins. Um, and in three days later, again, uh, he would overcome. He would die the big death and in three days overcome and, and, and give us life as he triumphantly destroyed the grave so that we may have life in his name. And this is the promise in Genesis chapter 3. Now think about that. This is, this is the one true God. They fell into sin, but yet by his grace, he promises in Genesis 3 what is to come in Jesus Christ. This whole Bible that we have is all about the anticipation of Christ, the fulfillment of Christ, and now as we wait in the now and not yet, the return of Christ. This is all about Jesus, the Bible is. And Genesis 3.15, the first book right after the first sin in, in the garden, there God delivers the promise. He, 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 he gives them the, uh, the word that this promise will be fulfilled in the offspring of a woman, and that is Jesus Christ. Um, and, and this is the Lord uh, 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 telling the devil, you are defeated. You will be crushed by the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Right? This is how much God loves you. You know, our faith is in Christ. Our faith is not in trying to hide from our sins or trying to muster up all the good works in life in hopes of elevating and escalating to God. No. Genesis 3 shows us the ultimate depravity of our sin, that we cannot save ourselves, and at the same time shows us the, the profound grace and mercy of God as he sends his son to die for the sins of the world and to destroy and crush the devil's head. Does the devil attack you? Yes. Do you have the answer? Yes. Right? It's Jesus. Right? You're not alone. God is always with you. It's not about your feeling. It's not about your, your idea of who God is. But according to Scripture, what Scripture says, this is where we rest upon, yes, God is with me. God has promised me and he has delivered me, Christ Jesus, uh, by his death and resurrection. He has given me my baptism. He has continued to feed me um, in the greatest manna from heaven. And that is his true body and blood for the forgiveness of my sins. This is uh, uh, the gift that God continues to give to us. Um, as, we, as we rest upon his work that ultimately destroys the devil's work, right? Again, the devil, no surprise, will tempt you. But yet, you have the answer of Christ. Genesis 3.15 shows us that all too clearly, right? Again, um, our God is so loving. You know, the devil, honestly... You know, you all may have uh, an ounce of a guilty conscience, or maybe not just an ounce. Maybe you have an anvil of a guilty that just weighs on your, your heart and mind. And the devil is there saying, hide, hide, hide. Bury yourself in that guilt because you can't dig yourself out. And I'd be like, I know I can't dig myself out, but it's Christ who died the big death and who overcome that grave and who dug me out by his death and resurrection. See, that's why this Genesis 3.15 is so important to understand because God doesn't leave you in the grave. He overcomes the grave for you by sending you his son, our savior, Jesus Christ. Right? All other world religions is about you work it out. 
you work it out, right? The Christian faith, so unique, because it's not you who works it out, but it is Christ who has already worked it out for you for free by his love for you. And that's what Genesis 3.15 shows us, the first book of the Bible, right? The promise of God that in the midst of our sin, he would send his son to be our sin on himself and to die for all of them. Anyways, that's our study for today. Um, I think I covered most of it, but uh, enjoy that. Again, a lot to apply here. This is not just yesteryear. Oh, this is a historical event that doesn't apply today. Trust me, the devil works in the same way. He does, right? He works in the same way with us. And when we look at this blueprint, not only do we see that, and how innocence was lost, blessedness was lost, righteousness was lost, but our Lord gives us the promise of Christ, where he restores us to innocence, righteousness, and blessedness, all by the blood shed for you. And you are restored by his promise of the cross, the empty tomb, and the sacraments. This is who you are. Yep, this is who you are. This is who you are. You're covered by the blood of the Lamb, Jesus Christ. Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, dear Heavenly Father we thank you for this day. We thank you uh, for your word. Lord, uh, Lord, grant us your forgiveness as we have fallen short. That though we don't deserve your mercy or your redemption, Lord, by your grace, you save us by sending us your Son, our Savior, Jesus Christ. Lead us, O Lord, always in your promise. And Lord, guard us from the evil foe. Grant to us your wisdom and strength. And Lord, lead us in faith, in the faith of Christ and his work for us. Bless us this day and grant us your peace. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right, friends, uh, thank you for joining me today. This is Pastor Jung here at faithmorepark.com, uh, faithmorepark.com in Faithmore Park, California. Uh, please join us on Sunday uh, for our live service at, uh, what is it, 8 o'clock, I think, and um, Pacific Standard Time. And please join us for all the devotions um, that we um, put out, yes, in so many ways every week. Okay, until next time, thank you for joining me. Have a wonderful day. Remember, you are forgiven. And in peace you go. Have a wonderful day. Adios and goodbye. Thanks for listening to this Bible study presentation from Faith Lutheran Church in Moore Park, California. For more information, visit us on the web at faithmoorpark.com.